Yes, sir. And welcome to another episode of Road to Damascus, where it's not about the road, it's about the journey. And I want to thank you for listening to another episode. I'm your host, Brock Hendricks, along with my co-host. I'm going to introduce them in a second, but I'm going to do what I always do. I'm going to let you know how you can uh, contact the show, Road to Damascus. We can be reached at Road to Damascus. That's Road, the number two, Damascus at iCloud.com, as well as on social media at Road to Damascus on IG and underscore Road to Damascus on Twitter. We would love to get any feedback, any show suggestions or anything else. The DMs are always open. So uh, go on and reach out to us once in a while. So uh, let me introduce to you all today. The co-hosts are with me uh, for the second show in a row. We are short Lauren, but uh, we know she'll be back with us soon. Ain't that right, Lo? Sorry, I had to take a little shot at her today, but it's all love. Um, but I'm going to say hello to the people that's here today. What's up, Rabbi? What's up, everybody? Oh, the crowd's going wild. And, of course, the man that's always to my left, my boy Steph. What up, Steph? What up, dog? How you doing? How you doing? All right. That's good. That's good. Well, we got another good show planned for the day. So let's dive right in, why don't we? So the topic that uh, we were going to discuss today was what is the role of the church outside of just providing church service? outside of just providing Bible study. What should be the role of the church in the grand scheme of things? And not just socially, but, well, socially, when I mean not just in social issues like um, the innocent killing of black young black men and things like that, but what is their uh, role when it comes to helping people with child care, helping people with their mortgages, helping the people in their neighborhoods, the poor and things like that. So that's what we're going to discuss today. What is the role? What should be the role of the church outside of church service? All right. So I'm going to start with you first, Rabbi, because um, I know when I sent y'all this topic, I had uh, sent y'all based off of Acts 2 where it talks about kind of the original church in the church uh, in the book of Acts. But go ahead, Rabbi, I'll start with you first. Okay, for me, um, the role of the church is to develop and disciple nations and show them how to live, love, and treat each other and to take care of the community where you are. You know, the community where the church is built, that church has responsibility to that community. Okay. So I'm sure we'll get in, you know, further into it. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. So let me ask you, Steph, what do you think? Uh, the church uh, should be involved in every, um, every part of the life of, of every member or anybody just in, in the public. I mean, it should mimic what Christ did. Christ wasn't just involved on, you know, a service. He was involved in everything. When the people needed to be fed, if somebody needed something, he was always there. So God, uh, Jesus made himself available at every moment, you know. So it was no no point of um, um, tiredness in that regard to uh, help people. Okay. Well, we know over the, the news cycle, uh, over the past few weeks, um, you had the 
disaster that happened in Texas with the the snow, and they're um, doing rolling blackouts. Then even was that about two years ago when the hurricane hit Texas and it was the flooding that was going on real bad, and uh, Joe Osteen took some heat for not opening up his church. Um, we've seen um, in other communities, other natural disasters that happen that we are looking for the government to do their role, which that's what the government is there to do is to help and protect the people. But the church, what programs are the church offering to the people to be able to uplift the communities? Um, I've recently saw the, um, the PBS special about the, the black church um, that was done by Skip Gates, a decent documentary. Check it out if you get a chance. Um, and it talked about the church in the 20s and the 30s, the black church when a lot of blacks were migrating up north. And it talked about the programs that churches offer, like uh, in this area, C.L. Franklin, uh, the father of Aretha Franklin. But these churches were offering programs, teaching people trades and things in the neighborhood and, and building up the communities and involved in, in things that the church tell us they're not supposed to be involved in like politics. Um, so what, so when I see that, I'm wondering what changed, what made us think that we were only supposed to be a ministry of the four walls. So why do you think that Shonda? Well, one reason I think is, is because I, I think the world has become so business minded that that has infiltrated the church, and it's been turned into a business. But if you look in the New Testament, um, there's no synagogue, no temple, no chapel, or tabernacle that was ever called a church. You know, it just means an assembly of people with like beliefs, you know, who come together. And whenever you get a group of people together, there are going to be some needs. So... Here you are, an assembly of people with needs. So now it is your responsibility to meet those needs, whether it's education. Then you have to figure out a way to educate your people. Um, if it's um, medication or if they're sick, uh, whatever it is, if it's counseling, whatever it is, and even political education, we have to be involved in providing that for the community in which we dwell. Um, before I go to you, Steph, I just want to read the scripture that I had sent to you all, just so people know. Um, Acts 2, starting at the 42nd uh, verse, um, it said, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere heart, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So when you hear that, that's nothing of what we think of today. Because they, like Shonda said, they weren't meeting in a temple or a synagogue. So when you hear that, what do you think, Steph? <clears throat> well, I mean, it kind of refers back to your question, right? And your question was phrased as? Um, just about the role of the church. Like, 
when you um I'm trying to go back into my thought cuz I I, I kind of got where I didn't know if it was a specific question. So Oh no, it wasn't a specific question, just following up on what we were talking about. All right, about. so the role of the church should always uh uh be in the position or in the mode of an emergency, right? It's like the Red Cross, but the Red Cross for believers. You should always be available for the needs of the people, whatever they need and whatever it is. should be no bias. It should have nothing to do with uh, demographic or anybody around. It should be with just the people because we're called to help everyone. So that means um, our attitudes and everything and every place that we go, we're supposed to be spreading the word, not just through, you know, talking and communication, through um, our actual, uh, uh, the way we present ourselves and carry ourselves. I know it's kind of hard in this day and age, especially we deal with a lot of people. We deal with a lot of, what, Karens and all these different kind of people <laughs> that we kind of talk about um, and these popular names that we, we deal with that's, like, trending in social media and all these different areas. But we're called to help, and help is usually a selfless act. So every single person should be engaged and seeing what the next person needs. Okay. Okay. But so let me ask you this. Um, and I'll start with you. Cause Shonda, you kind of mentioned this um, pre-show about the, the programs that the church you used to attend mm-hmm. offered. Um, you said that they had childcare. Yes. Um, what were some of the other things they offered? They had the early childhood development center. They had a fully staffed kitchen. Um, they had um, the people who actually collected things for the, for the homeless and took them out. You know, they were welcome to come in. We had a very large assembly, and there there's a food pantry, you know, where, where food is given out to the community. Um, it was also involved in politics. Now, not the politics that we do in, in, in this day in our churches where we – pick a political side and push the narrative, you know, of the one who has the same beliefs as we do. That's not what I'm talking about. It didn't matter whether they were Democrat or Republican. You know, they could come in, they could say whatever they needed to say, and you had the option whichever way you wanted to go. Right. You know, but they made sure that people understood each political side. This is their agenda. Right. This is this person's agenda. This right. is this person's agenda. You make your decision. Right. We're not supporting any candidate. But if they ask to come, then we allow them to come. You know, we were one of the largest churches in, in, in Jackson, so everybody wanted to come. It's a lot of voters in here. But we weren't told by our uh, pastor who to vote for. Got you. You know, but you are responsible for educating your people on political um, issues and decisions, not telling them who to vote for, just making sure they understand what's on the ballot. The early church was involved in that. You know, politics actually came out of them. You know, they were involved in explaining to the people what was going on and making and influencing politics. It seems to be the other way right now where politics is influencing the church. So it's a little backwards right now. Yeah, so, um, Steph, you you are um, an electrician, and you also do mechanical work as well. Yep. Um, how would you feel if the church home you were at was to ask you, you know, um, we want to start where we can start to teach people the trades. And 
they ask you to do maybe once a month a class. Mm-hmm. Would you would you be willing to do something like that? Yeah, absolutely. So the, a lot of the guys that I have on the crew right now are younger guys. And I try to reiterate to them constantly, like, um, they have an opportunity where they can really learn. And they can, um, with that background, you know, they can they can go, you know, anywhere they want to go. It, it, one thing about a trade, um, you will always eat. Right. You know, so I would definitely be willing to help. And one of my one of my giftings, I'm actually a teacher, right? So I like to help and and teach people. I'm probably not as patient with some people, but Well <laughs> I like to help. So well, definitely you know, I would be patience is something we just need to work on and then pray about. Absolutely. no, absolutely. But, but that I mean that that's because as a teacher it's it's difficult when I'm dealing with somebody that probably doesn't grasp it or doesn't have the 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 work ethic that I'm looking for. Like I I, I want somebody eager, will, willing to learn. That kind of person I'm more so patient with. The person that has though that kind of like the laissez faire. There you go. More of like the lazier kind of mentality. Those are more frustrating. But I would still. Try to work with yes, them. Yes, I would be in a so, so why do you think it is that you've been at several church homes? Um, yes. One of the churches you were at was a, a person uh, that you called uncle. Yep. Um, why do you think that they haven't tried to take advantage of your skill set to be able to do something like that? I mean, they try to take advantage of it, just not <laughs> in the right direction. But no, no, so yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm talking about taking of your skill set to to be able to help other people learn the trade. I ain't talking about. Oh no no yeah no. Well, um, I don't know. You know, uh, I think so. I've heard people try to set up a couple things and never really got traction, um, and they're really needed in the uh, inner city areas to where we can teach people how to pretty much fend for themselves. Um, in, in, in the construction field, electrical, mechanical, building, doesn't matter, plumbing, everybody has a home, which means you generate a job for everybody. That would actually be something great. Back in the day, they had more trade schools where you had to have an elective to where you had to go to shop or something like that. Yep. Nowadays, they don't even have that anymore. So you have more people that are more apt to go to college and get a degree in a field that nobody's ever heard of and not are flipping burgers at, you know, McDonald's or whatever, because they're in a field that may not be um, as, as rapid growth or it may have slowed down because it's not one that's always needed. There you go. Right. That would be awesome if somebody were to set up a program like that. And I would definitely want to be a part of that. I actually, so, you know, I, I have my pilot's license, right? So I used to go uh, to, um, a field out in, um, what is that? Plymouth. Plymouth has an airport, small private airport. I would go there from Ann Arbor, and it would be kids from the middle school. Actually, one of the funniest things, it was one of the middle schools that I went to, Bernie Middle School. They would have kids come there, and it was, you know, different kind of, it, tons of different kids, a, a, a variety of kids from different backgrounds, Um Ages and and um, ethnicities, they were all there, and I would, my my goal was or my my job 
was to teach them about careers. So I would talk to the kids, and I was able to really get the kids engaged to the point some of the parents would come up to me and say, my child really wants to be a pilot now. And I was just able to show them because some of them have never seen maybe a a um, black pilot mm-hmm. or a young pilot. Most of the guys there were older guys that own their own plane. So they talk a little different. They weren't able to really relate to them. Right. But that's another example of really exposure. Right. We don't have enough and, exposure. And, and that's what I mean by the church exposing us mm-hmm. to things that we normally wouldn't be able to. When you have, I think of the parable of the wasted talents. Mm-hmm. And you, we know what the Bible talks about individually, that the talents that we have we're supposed to use. But what about a body, a church, a body that doesn't use the talents of the people that are there. If you have a person who is a is um a pilot or a a, a a mechanic or a plumber or an electrician, that that would be awesome, bro. If they actually had like a when you go into the church, a whole kind of like um, list of people that were in the church that had useful skills right. to where you create a network. To be perfectly honest with you, in other Church groups, they have it like that to where they have a network to where this guy services everything for everybody at that, that goes to that church. Mm-hmm. You know, in our um, culture, it really hasn't been as, you know, predominant right. in kind of really promoting that to where you have it to where it's inner community or you have it to where people can just call on somebody. You know, it's. Right. You never you don't you, you see somebody for ten years and don't even know what they do. Right. And you're like, You're a real estate agent, I just bought a home. Yeah, I could have got you that house. How was I supposed to know? Right. You know? So Right. And and so that's where I think I think that a lot of times that the church today fails. Um, we get so sidetracked in political issues or choosing a side or wanting to talk about not endorsing this particular um, entity because of some of the beliefs of the people within that program. Instead of like at the end of the day, we can't do things about outside organizations, but what we can do is deal with the people in our own community. And when you see in that scripture and acts, it talks about, they made sure nobody had a need. They sold their possessions. So like, Hey, sell this, sell that. Because if I got shoes and you don't have shoes, that's a problem for me. If I got a jacket and you don't have a jacket, that's a problem for me. And at the end of the day, when we see um, a lot of churches that will ask you to donate to be able to help um, people in third world countries, quote unquote, um, oh, we, we, we want to go on mission trips here and mission trips there. What about going to a mission trip in your own neighborhoods? What about your own backyard? Yes. You want us to donate to these other countries when there is people outside the church a block away that are meandering around looking for food, looking for opportunity. If you see somebody standing there with a sign, need help, need food. Hey, come with me, brother. Not only am I going to feed you spiritually, feed you physically. I'm also going to introduce you to somebody at the church who might got a little job we can give you 
where you can start to put a little money in your pocket. And the church also has a shelter that we own that we let people stay up there for up to six months. Wow. Yeah. You know what? It, it, It just to support what you're saying, Romans chapter 15 verses one and two says, we who are strong ought to bear the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. Amen. I like that. I like that a lot. But that that that's that's what we should be doing. Yeah. Go ahead, Shonda. You gonna? But we just pray for everybody. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we. I'm, oh, Jesus help me. This is one of my problems. Okay. That we just we just pray about everything. You know, and do I think we should stop praying? Absolutely not. Faith without works is it's dead. Dead. You know, but we just pray for everything, and we create situations in in the church where people are in there, and they feel shame for needing help. You know, so they don't ask. You know, the 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 scripture you just mentioned that they sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. We haven't seen that. So when you have a need, even though you're in here, um, you feel shame or, or guilty about going to ask for help. You know, I have heard stories of people who have asked for help and have been told, you know, since they didn't pay tithes, they couldn't get help. But they can't pay tithes because they barely have enough to take care of what they have. So now you've just shamed them. And they're never going to come back and ask for help. But they'll sit in your midst and suffer. Now, who who pays for that? That's when that's when the church is. That's when the church is not a church; it's a business. And that's and that's right. where Shonda said it's become more of a business. No, that's I agree. I was really just piggybacking off of what you had said earlier. That's strictly a business. It's like a, it's like a club. You don't pay your fee. You don't pay your your club fees. You get kicked out of the golf club. Right. So you mean to tell me the only access I have to God is I come here to get fed, and you don't feed me, you leave me hungry. Uh, the, the question was asked, uh, it was a post. I can't remember who posted it, but one of the responses they were asking, um, why is it that you know churches aren't helping more people? And it was in reference to what's happening in Texas. You know, why aren't churches helping more people and inviting them in? And somebody made the comment, well, you know, it's, it's more to it than just that because, you know, if they give a certain amount or if they allow people to come in, it could mess with their 501c3 status. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is when it becomes obvious that you are thinking more about the business than the actual people. But if you are an assembly of believers, your business is the people. One hundred percent. Definitely. 100%. You get one more for that. You get one more. No, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. Um, it, it just frustrates me, and that's why I had came up with this question. I had saw an article about a young lady who had two children, a ten-year-old and a two-year-old, and her kids were in a motel. And a tip was called in to the police. The police came, found the two kids there, and went to arrest the mom for not being there with her kids and leaving them in the motel. And you know where the mom was? At work. She was at work. She was working at Little Caesars, 
couldn't afford childcare, and they came and arrested her and have taken her children from her. Um, I'm interested to see because I know um, a rapper, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, did donate like $10,000 to her defense fund and things like that. And I think she did oh, yeah, have that a, one uh, quality control guy. Yeah. And then I think he uh, did, they also had a GoFundMe page for. But the issue that I have when I read articles like that is, one, um, you know, we had the, the, the pro-life talk, yes. but we're criminalizing poverty. Mm-hmm. And to me, where is the church to be able to say, hey, you don't have anybody to watch your kids? Bring them on over. We got a, a program that we run for women like you. that the kid, Because this woman said, you know, I, well, somebody checks on them every hour. But we are literally criminalizing this woman. Yeah. She wasn't out partying, drinking, smoking, yeah. at a drug house, a trap house, whatever. She was at work. But everything that is offered through these churches you have to pay for if i could afford to pay for it then i wouldn't be in the situation that i'm in you know so how do you tell a mother with two small children you know you know bring your kid here because we're going to have the after school program set up at church where parents can bring their kids you know and it's only 35 dollars a day Uh, per child you know yeah i okay okay i can't I'm back in the same position that I was in before I came in here. And that's the concern that I have. Like, there's a responsibility that you should have to the community of people, you know, where you've placed your building. And it shouldn't always cost them. I understand that you may incur a cost, but that's your responsibility. Well, that's that's your uh, penance you have to pay for not paying taxes. Um, so... It's just frustrating. What, were you going to say something, Steph? No, I mean, uh, Shauna's right in that regard. I mean, when the church becomes a business, then you lose the interest of God at that point. Um, because God isn't about a quota. He's not about uh, 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 new lights, LED lights in the building. He's not about new pulpits and all that kind of stuff. What well, we wanted to get another an, another basketball rim over in the gymnasium for the kids that doesn't matter if you're not attracting people that really need help. The church should be a refuge for people that need help. And it has not been that place. Some places probably are, but majority of the places that we're speaking of, and that's why we even have this topic because it's become an issue. Right. A lot of churches have not been that. Like you said, if you're paying fees, it's a club. It's not a church. But, right. but let's, let's be honest. Um, what is it? Like, isn't it 80, 20, like really only 20% of the people at the church is carrying the church through regular tithes and offerings. Isn't that about the number Shonda somewhere yeah, in something there? Like that. Um, and, 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 and I'm not even going to pick on mega ministries cause you don't have to be a mega ministry. We could talk about medium sized ministries and all that other stuff. When you think that your responsibility is to the building I mean, I think of Azusa Street, and they were in like a little milk cart. Even for that time, you could have had a nicer building because there were cathedrals around in the early 1900 churches, Catholic and Protestant churches back then. I mean, Mother Emmanuel was around during the Azusa Street revival. They were in a little attic 
in some building where it's like a milk carton. It was no elevated stages and right. all that other stuff. Where it's like, it was. It has to be about the people. What are you doing for the people? Like Jesus fed the five thousand before he even said anything to them. He made sure that the five thousand ate. And did all of them stick around once he started talking? No, he didn't say, "Well, I fed y'all, and, and now y'all will put something in the bucket before you go." Right. No, he 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 fed them physically and then fed them spiritually. Whoever wanted to continue to hear, we can't look at it as this for that quid pro quo per se. Where it's like we don't mind helping you, but if you haven't been, uh, let me look. Uh, you don't even go here. Yeah. Why? But I live up the street, Pastor. I just need a little help. Well, we we can't help. Whereas, like, I shouldn't be just passing out turkeys for Thanksgiving or giving a couple gifts during Christmas and things like that. But, you know, and I'm not saying, like, it's like it's too much of a business now. Whereas, like, you churches are buying former major league stadiums yeah. to be able to fill up. Do you know how much money that costs? To buy these stadiums to keep them running, to keep them lit for multiple services throughout the week. Yeah. Because this building is where they're having Bible study. This building is where they're having prayer. This building where the pastor's office is. And you got associate pastors on staff that because the church is so big, he can't meet with everybody. So he has about 10 to 15 associate pastors and all this other stuff. And it's like, when do we become a business of church and not a business of the people? Because once you start to get out of the business of the people, you are no longer a church. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You're just an organization. And then that's when people start to say, well, maybe you should be taxed, but don't bring that up. Oh no, don't bring that up. Because you're not operating in the people. And then most churches say, well, we're not big enough for that. I'm not even, like I said, Maybe it should be, you know, then maybe somebody do need to look at your books. But it just frustrates me that we do not want to be able to help people. When I see, like you said, Shonda, that people are embarrassed when they have a need and they're scared to ask. But your, but these pastors are not scared to come up and say, we need this. So we need y'all to start putting in this plate. Mm -hmm. We need that. When you have a, a, a pastor that's talking about, I need is G5 at some of these mega ministries. Yeah. It's like, do you know what you can do? with five, Imagine what you can do with $5 million. I can't even imagine. But I'm saying, like, if, if a person is about to lose their home, if a person is about, like, it shouldn't always be the individual at the church who the Lord has to drop on their heart, like, oh, brother so-and-so is going to put $50 in their hand. Sister so-and-so going to just put $100 in their hand. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, the, the, like the pastor, hey, hey, this is brother so-and-so. This is sister so-and-so. Anybody who ever has a need at the church, reach out to them, and we'll help you to the best of our – I'm not saying you got to pay at all, but just to offer a help, to let people know, hey, um, you know, I got a job where I don't have any way for anybody to watch my kids. If somebody wait, somebody can watch my kids for six hours. Well – Brother so-and-so got a 15-year-old daughter that the church would pay her $7 an hour just to watch the kids. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, I don't hear any of these conversations. Sean, I literally hear none of these conversations. And then even with that, we, we question why we're losing so many young people. 
we don't have programs for the young people to want to come to church. Right. Because we don't want to pacify that general, all that music and the stuff they into and the social media. Well, why don't you learn about the social media? Like, why don't you get you a TikTok page and learn how to use TikTok? Learn how to use Snapchat. Yeah. All churches mm-hmm. are doing social media right now. You know, so, uh, I mean, really, it's, it's upsetting, okay, because I've been the recipient of help. You know, I've, I've been one of the people who didn't have enough to pay tithes. You know what I mean? I lost my job. See, now I'm about to be real transparent. I've lost a job before and didn't know what I was going to do and then ended up getting a summer job. But, you know, it, it was part-time where you're working for a summer camp. Man, I was bringing home $550 every two weeks. Okay, every two weeks. I still had a car note. I still had mortgage that needed to be paid. You know, I still had cell phone bills and a kid. Okay. Well, maybe you need to get rid of that cell phone. That's you know, what they are saying. Of course. You know, we don't have no luxuries. Right, at all. You know what I mean? You, <laughs> you need to look like the struggle. Right. And, you uh, know. You know, and I, I've, I've, been that, I've been that person. And I know what it's like to say I'm not going. I'm not asking for no help because I know that there should be some type of record of of tithes for people who want to use it for tax statements, you know, at at the end of the year. But the flip side of that is when people need help, that you go back to look at this record to judge whether or not they deserve help based on how often they've given or if they've given. But where's the conversation? you're having with them, well, you know what? We've noticed that you haven't paid in a while. Is everything okay? You know, why not use that record for that instead of creating spaces where people don't feel comfortable enough to ask for help? Well, when you bring it, you're basically shaming people. And and we talked about criminalizing poverty. You're shaming poverty sometimes in people where at the end of the day, it's just when I think of Jesus, and how he went to the leper, went to the p- person that other people, the dregs, the man at the well that wanted to get in the water that people would just walk by every day. You know, the story of the Good Samaritan and things like that. It's like, why do we, when, okay, at those times they didn't have a, a, a church per se, but today now we have all these church buildings, we have all these churches with all these resources. And you still got people in the front row, not in front row, in the building that are struggling to pay mortgage to keep their lights on. And you give them emotionalism and then you turn around with a prosperity gospel and make them feel as though if they just give this small seed that there will be a manifestation. So like God is a genie or a lottery machine, because to me, if you telling me, if I get this $5, I'm expecting a blessing tomorrow. That's like the lottery. Yeah. I can get $5 to the, the Michigan lottery, and if this number hit, right. I'm going to be cool. You understand what I'm saying, Steph? Oh, definitely. Yeah, um, I just had a little uh, one-liner. <laughs> Y'all know I like one-liners. Uh, the example lasts longer than the conversation. The example lasts longer than the conversation. You hear Jesus but never experience him. You're supposed to prime the people. Prime the people for the presence of God. Nobody can focus on God when they're struggling and you have people around that have and then they're in a room full of have-nots. Right. We're supposed to help our neighbors. That, that scripture 
pretty much said it perfectly. The one I, I read from uh, Romans mm-hmm. was that Romans chapter 15, verses 1. And it says it again. I'm going to reiterate it. We who are strong ought to bear the, uh, the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. We're supposed to help each other out. We're supposed to be there for each other. Where someone lacks, we pick up their slack. And like Brock said, those are good initiatives that the church needs to start. They need to start more programs to help people to where they can make a living. Some people don't have that experience. You have some people that are in churches that are illiterate, some people that have no education, some people that don't, you know, that they rely on that job that really isn't providing for their families, we can give them a leg up to where we can help them to where they can make a better living for their families. Right. We're not talking about just giving somebody handouts constantly and consistently. We're talking about helping somebody up, lifting them up so they can be sustained. You give them a a, a jump start and then let the alternator charge the battery. Right. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) Nobody's one line. (laughs) Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So that's yeah. a, that, that's exactly what we need to be doing. We need to be starting programs like that, and we really need to to take our own personal accountability. So we're like, hey, what are you doing? You right. know, even in this conversation, I'm thinking to myself, like, what could I be doing extra to help out, to to uh, reach out to some people? You know, I like to like Christmas time comes around, support some families that don't have you know, much to provide gifts for their, their children. Right. But beyond Christmas, it shouldn't be just be what some holiday cheer kind of thing. Right. Beyond Christmas, everyday life, ordinary life. What does somebody need? Right. Right now. There's a lot of families here. I know we're talking about the, the, the issue that's going on in Texas, but that's a normal occurrence in the Michigan winter. Yes. People aren't talking about our polar vortex that we're, we're having right now, too. Yeah, when our today was twenty eight degrees and it it, felt warm. Yeah, it felt like fifty. I saw people washing their cars. Yeah, like it was warm, and it shot up for a second to thirty one degrees, and people were outside. I almost felt like I could wear like a jacket. Yeah, it was that. It felt that warm. Some people have experienced that bitter cold, and they never was were able to be or felt the warmth of a furnace, right, or a radiator. What outreach do we have for people like that? Well, I, I, it reminds me, and um, Dave Chappelle, comedian, had uh, did a stand-up. This was years ago. And he was talking about how, like, certain shows and cartoons we watch um, almost program us and we don't even know. And he used a joke about Oscar the Grouch and how these people, you're mean, Oscar. You're such a grouch. And he's like, I live in a garbage can. <laughs> right. He's no, and these people are like, these kids are like, I would be upset too if I lived in the garbage can. He said, then you wonder why people grow up, get older, and they be looking at homeless people like, get a job, grouch. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Whereas like, we didn't train you to think that homeless people is something wrong. They're angry that you know, or or they, they the reason they're in poverty is because of them. Yep. And 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 this isn't even a because I take shots at any kind of ministry, but I think that we as a, a body need to demand that our churches start to do programs. Like at the end of the day, when we see young black men who have gone to jail because of drugs or because of things that they felt like they needed to do to, to, to take care of themselves, survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. 
and they do things that that um that they end up in jail. I'm not talking about violent crimes. I'm talking about selling drugs right. or, or or doing drugs because of the traumas and the hurts that they're feeling, and they and now they have are felons and they can't get a job, but yet the church also shuns them and won't give them opportunities. Where it's like, no, come to the church. We're going to teach you a trade. And we got a brother named Stefan who has a business and we send brothers to go work and do jobs with him. Right. Because he has a company. He works exclusively with the church. We have a felon uh, program that we introduce you to a trade and we put you, you know, we say as long as it's not a violent crime or something like that, rape or a violent crime, murder, or something like that. And even with the murder, what happened? You understand what I'm saying? Was it self-defense and you just, you you never know what a person, crime of, you never know what a person was going through at the time. But I don't, I don't hear these type, and you know, the reason I had Stefan talk about his credentials is because he's somebody who's willing to take people on, to show them the ropes, to teach them the trade that was taught to him by our, our grandfather. Our grandfather was a master welder and things like that. They never asked my, they would ask my grandfather to come weld something at the church, but they weren't going to ask him to teach other men how to weld. Right. Isn't there a parable that says you give a man a fish, he eat for a day. You teach a man to fish. He eats the rest of his life. Yes. Why isn't the church adopted that philosophy of being able to bring up people? We, we, we complain about the government. We complain about pro-life and abortions. We complain about legislation. We complain about things that we want to see happen. But what actions are we taking as a body to improve the situation in the lives of our own people? Are you talking about sex, having sexual education classes that people are then educated about safe sex, educated about these things? Are you having conversations about poverty are you doing programs to be able to ensure that people aren't um, on the streets? Are you, you know, having somebody who is an esthetician teaching people how to do nails, how to do hair? You know, jobs that these young girls can do teaching people how to braid where it's like, look, I know you got to have a license, but we're going to teach you how to braid. Some of the young brothers come in with their froze. They want you to braid them. We're going to let you braid their hair. Like there are so many avenues and opportunities that we can use as a body and we do not take advantage of the skill set. We are wasting the talents of the people as a body. And, and it's frustrating just to even hear your testimony, Shonda, and to say you you were one of those people who, yeah. who had and needed help. And, you know, sometimes that pride makes you not want to ask for help. Right. But it's like. The church hasn't fostered an environment where you feel like you can go and ask for help. But when I saw in that documentary, people coming from the north, and it's like they had daycare centers. Right. They had they they did home economics classes where they taught the young men and young women how to cook. They were teaching the young man trades. You know, I mean, and I know at the time it was more like operator jobs and all that other stuff. But 
we can get back to taking no. <laughs> you laugh what you. <laughs> no, it just made me think when you were saying that. It's like one of those kind of things. Somebody asks you, like, how are you today? You be like, not doing so good. Didn't ask you that. Which is, <laughs> I'm just right. trying to ask you, like, how are you? Right. right. All right. Yeah, I just want you to be as vague as possible. Right. Just say fine. Just say fine. <laughs> Keep it going. Yeah. But nobody really means, how are you doing? Right. They just wanted to, oh, I'm doing good. As soon as you say, I'm not doing so good, they say, oh, don't have the time. Sorry, I got to go. Exactly. They don't. It's the exact same regard you would say. I just laugh because I just oh, no. played the whole little thing in my head. <laughs> but, no, that's how it is. I mean, we don't want people to come. It's like, uh, I got some problems. Well, you came to church with those problems? You better go somewhere else with them problems. We go in with problems and leave out with the same problems. And that's absolutely not how it's supposed to be. But I think we have ascended so high into the glory that we no longer see the people, you know? So why is it? And I'm, I'm telling you, I used to wonder, I would be sitting in church, no lie, no cap. And I would be wondering, why is it that nobody sees what I'm going through? Like, okay, so everybody in the glory and nobody sees what I'm going through. Like nobody feels what's happening, you know, inside of me. Nobody. Go into church like that, go home like that. Nobody sees a thing. Imagine how many other people are doing the same thing. You know, no lives are being changed. I mean, it feels really good for a few minutes, but no lives are being changed or transformed. How is that if we are actually experiencing the real glory of God? How is that? I, I, I want to say this. It's, let's be honest. When you know that you're going home and you might lose your house tomorrow, it's hard to get into worship. It's hard. When you drive to church and you don't know how you're going to get home because you're looking at that gas, that needle. And your stum- or, or your stomach rumbling. Because you haven't eaten. And you haven't eaten and you're in church and you can not you can barely move. And then people, you know, tapping over. And you, go, you, know, you just play it off. Like, you know, like, I'm straight. Oh, all right, okay. Yeah, it's a little loud. I can't hear it. Right. Yeah. But we don't we don't have those honest conversations. When you know that if I don't come up with this car note money, my car is getting repoed on Tuesday, and I won't be able then to go to work. If I get put out, is anybody in this church gonna take me in for a couple months? Right. If if my lights get turned off tonight, is anybody gonna be able to give me a generator so I make sure me and my son don't freeze to death during this polar vortex? Like it's hard for people like we love God and we understand and we're there literally going to church looking for God to do something. Please, Father, yes. let today be the day that your miracle, that the hand of righteousness works. But faith without works is dead. Are you trying to understand your people? Or are you just trying to get your numbers up? Yeah. Like Jesus said, like his sheep know his voice. Like you are supposed to be a shepherd. Unto these people, is it is it is it? I'm trying to think. Is it Ezekiel or what scripture would say? Is woe unto the pastors that have led my sheep astray. When I think about these pastors that you know, we we talk a good game, and we talk about hope and faith and all these other things, but when I hear you say that, and I know that I don't have any money in my pocket, it's hard for me to really gather all of this together when you tell me that if i just keep putting my faith in christ then this will happen 
it's hard for me to get into that mindset of true worship and understanding. And, and it's like nobody seems to care. You're nobody making life decisions. Like, okay, am I going to pay this bill or am I going to buy groceries? No, am I going to pay this rent or this car note? You know what I mean? You, you're making life decisions and, and waiting on, on this God that they keep telling you about to come through. Like, you coming through for everybody but me? No. Like, people are hurting, and they come in hurting, they leave hurting. They are living their lives hurting. They're existing. They're not living. They're just existing in pain, waiting for this miracle that we keep talking about. But sometimes the miracle that people are waiting on is you. Who? Who? I just had to hit you with that. <laughs> Stephen face was silly. No, that, I mean, at the end of the day, we have to understand that I believe God can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we know and we expect. And I will never question his love or his belief. But I also know that there are things that we have to do down here that we refuse to do. He is not coming back for a particular church building. He is coming back for a body, a church body. And because of that, what is the church as a body doing for the betterment of the people? Now, there are certain like, you know, I, I hear all of these talks about progressive churches and oh, progressive mission. I don't know what that means, but I know I see somebody like Reverend Barber who has picked up the mantle of the poor people's program and is trying to get minimum wage like like minimum wage hiked up from 725 an hour which has been that way for 10 years right to 15 dollars an hour which is considered a living wage but the fact that the church isn't even having these conversations like you want to have conversations about and i know we talked about pro-life but you want to have these conversations about pro-life and pro-choice when you're not even saying nothing about this this poverty wage that people are making why don't you push your politician when, when, when John James was at the church? Hey, bro, how about $15 an hour? And, and to me, that's a compromise. Because if we kept up with inflation, it would be $22 an hour. But they don't want to have that conversation. So it, it just becomes frustrating to me because I can only do what I can do. And like Stephen, the things you said that you do, you can only do. We can only do as individuals. Right. I don't have a church. You don't have a church. Shonda doesn't have a church. But we are crying out because there are people that are crying out. Are you hearing the cries of your people? When, when, when you could tell me that you don't support the organization Black Lives Matter, I don't need you to support the organization. I need you to support the cause. When you are telling me that, well, we are pro-life and not pro-choice, I'm not asking you if you pro-life or pro-choice. I'm asking you to support the kids that's here now that need help. Amen. <laughs> you got something you want to ask there? No, I mean we supposed. You just said something. I just thought about it, but it, it's kind of. But it just it just hit me, right? Uh, we're supposed to be. You just said you're not a church. You're not a church, but we are. We're little tabernacles, little moving tabernacles. The road to Damascus tabernacle. Harbor. <laughs> right. We we're, we have the word in us, right? That means God is in us. The Holy Spirit is in us. So we're supposed to have these, make these little changes and make, you know, whatever people that we come across, anybody we see, if you're in a line at a, at a, a grocery store and somebody says, hey, your, your car was declined, 
oh, I'll just put back what I – no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. You go ahead. You get everything that you need. You see your kid there or whatever, even if it's a kid not there. That person might be – that person's obviously struggling. They're buying a food for something. They're not buying cigarettes. They're not buying alcohol. Right. They're buying food. You help. You step in and help anywhere you can. Um, people buying, what, tw- uh, two, $2 or $1.50 in gas. Yeah. You help out. You know, these are all signs that we're, we have to pay attention to. And I, myself, I'm really trying to pay more attention to small things like that. You know, going to the Starbucks line is fun. Somebody pays for you in front, then the next person pays in the back. You know, you just keep going. Right. You just keep going down the line like that. But these are all privileged people. Nobody goes in the Starbucks line if they can't afford it. $7 coffee. Right. Right. So, of course, we're all... Um, uh, sustained people. All right, disposable income. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, 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 <laughs> I don't even know their bill back there. I'm gonna pay it. It's right. fifteen bucks, no problem. Here you go. Right, where are the people that that can't afford that? Where do they congregate? Where can we talk to somebody that 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 hasn't had this taste of coffee or that hasn't had this experience? Where can we help them out? You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why we got to keep our eyes on a swivel. That is the real ministry. We were just talking. I think. I was having a conversation with my mom. We have a lot of conversations. And um, I was talking about uh, sewing into the church. And it's not supposed to be just sewing into a building. Right. Sewing into the church is sewing into the people. Right. You take your finances and you sew into the people. Well, sewing is isn't God's even just people. money. It's Sewing is time as well. Yeah, but we're talking from a research, a resource resource standpoint. Right. Right. From a resource standpoint, we just brought up if somebody's struggling with a light bill, somebody's struggling to eat, somebody's struggling with a, a, a car note or whatever it may be, you take your resources and you pull it like that and you help these people out that are less fortunate. That's what people experience Christ. Exactly. Because he lives in us. So this is the overflow. Well, let, let me ask y'all before we, we wrap up here. And I just got a wild concept or idea. What if people who normally tithe told the pastor, like the normal tithers, mm-hmm. said, this Sunday, we've all talked, what we tithe, this Sunday, this particular Sunday, we want that money to not go to this building at all. It needs to go to, you need to take up this money, and next Sunday, need to ask people, who got this bill? Who got that bill? And we already talked about how much we all going to tie so we know how much money you're going to have. <laughs> I'm not sure how well that would go over because most, most churches live for the bottom line. You know what I mean? They, they live for their bottom line. If there's nobody in the church, there is no bottom line. You're absolutely right. And if all the people held on to their money, uh, some of them probably wouldn't be struggling as much and uh, it should be it should be a, a a cycle, you know. You you put in and and it comes back. You know, it it should always be. I've moving. only seen that one time my whole life was a church that opened up their checkbooks to people. Now I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And you know, Steph, like we talked about, uh, what was the the um finger of God? You know, the miracles that were happening in that book or in that, excuse me, in that particular movie and things like that. But I'm talking about uh, uh, imagine 
if you pick days on the calendar and you say this day we are going to bless people. Do you know, imagine that one Sunday that you go to the church and a friend just say, hey, just come visit, girl, don't even know. And you just like, girl, I got stuff I got to handle. I'm not thinking about church. And you go to church and the pastor say, whoever's here today is eligible for this. Don't matter if you a visitor or not, do not let your pride get in the way. If you need a light bill paid, come up right now. If somebody is short on a mortgage this month, come up here right now. Right. The 15th is in two days. Who gonna, So they don't go into foreclosure because you go to foreclosure after one month. That's when the process starts. In three months is when it starts to go to the next level. But you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Do you think that'll go over, Steph? No, they would do this. They would make this face. <laughs> James, make <laughs> the I, I, I mean, I was just thinking, you know, thinking out loud. Because at the end of the day, I no, know. No, I mean, it would be nice. That would be awesome. But you have to get a group of people that are like-minded and really support the less fortunate in order to do that. A lot of people look at churches probably just sowing a seed for an investment. And that's the wrong way to look at tithes and offering. Mm -hmm. It's not an investment that you're looking to reap back. You're doing something to help. People are looking at, well, you know, from the song, shake down, press it together, run it over, give, and it will come back to you and all that kind of stuff, which is awesome, right? Right. But if you're looking at it like an investment, an immediate investment, you need to go to Forex or Robin Hood, and you can probably get it, you know, the kind of money you're talking about, like buy some buy some stocks or whatever. We're talking about something completely different. We're talking about helping people, right. which is a greater reward. It's not going to just be the financial. It's going to be a greater reward helping people out that are less fortunate. And it always comes back to you, but in different blessings. Absolutely. And before we close out, just so people understand that the the history of tithes, tithing was started with the children of Israel. And the reason they would tithe was because the, the Levites because they handled the priestly duties, they didn't go out and farm and tend to things themselves. So everybody would put in and tithe so that the Levites, their families, would be able to eat. So even the original tithing was to sustain a people that had another duty and a calling. So that's what the origination of tithes were. It wasn't like they gave, because back then it wasn't money, they gave like they first of the harvest and all that other stuff. That was eaten by the Levites and their families. It was to sustain them. So, you know, when you when you when you start to get into this history context of it, you like, oh wow. And a lot of people probably don't know that. So um interesting conversation. I know this one probably gonna get some people to rile up, but we're gonna uh, go ahead and start with you, Shonda. I know the last one we closed out and Stefan went first, so we'll let you go first. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to close with this. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. This is the responsibility to go, therefore, into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in, in the name of Jesus and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever has been commanded. That is the responsibility. 
you know, to teach people to observe all things in all areas all the time and to live according to that. What is the whole duty? Is the whole duty of man to fear God keep and his keep command. his commandments. And when your business is no longer about the people, you have forsaken the commandment. Amen to that. Amen. <laughs> Steph, it's on you. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, so uh, be involved um, is really what I can say. Uh, we're, we're not ignorant to the struggles of some people. Some people in your church that's probably sitting next to you and you maybe can smell an odor. Um, somebody's shoes are, are, they may not look like yours while you're able to have a different pair of shoes every Sunday. Some people are going through silent struggles, but you can tell that they're not in the right space because of their energy at church. Like Shonda said, she was going through her struggle and she thought, does anybody see me in here? Can nobody see this, that I'm going through this struggle? If we look, we can really see. And a lot of times we see it and we give it a blind eye because it's not a, it's not something that we want to be involved in. Um, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people have an outcry that is a silent outcry and they want somebody to say something to them because they don't want to seem as though that they're begging or that uh, that they seem like they're weak. But we all hit moments to where we need someone and we need help. So the truth is we're supposed to love our neighbor and we're supposed to help each other out. And so if you see anything, anything that may look odd, don't take it to... Um, don't take it the wrong way and don't let it bypass you. Like I said last time in the last one, it's somebody that constantly needs help. And it's always somebody out here that is going to need um, um, some of your outreach. So have that heart that you have and let it grow bigger with the joy of God in it. And let Christ persevere in your life and help that person. That's the last thing I want to say. <laughs> Amen to that, Steph. Well, I appreciate it. Well, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of Road to Damascus. Um, I'm going to close on this because these are some of the things that I'm very passionate about. As a body, we need to understand those. The Bible says, know those that dwell among you. And knowing those that dwell among you, we need to know not just their high of highs, but their low of lows. And a lot of times as a body and as a church and as leadership in the church, we need to know those that dwell among us, not just in a negative way, but in a positive way. What are the people that are at my church going through? If you are the pastor of a church and cannot diagnose the issues that are going on in your church, then maybe you shouldn't be the pastor of that church. Now, I know that can seem controversial, and I'm not telling you what to do with your ministry or not. But I do know as a body, collectively, we need to begin to ask these questions about what can the church do for us? It's okay to ask that question. Jesus questioned his father, not once, but twice. He questioned him in the Garden of Gethsemane. He questioned him why he was on the cross. Why is thou forsaking me? So is it okay? So I'm telling you, it's okay to look to your pastor and say, Pastor, why aren't we doing A, B, C, and D for these people? Not saying doing it in a disrespectful way, and I'm not saying to call it out. Go to him privately. But at the end of the day, we as a body have to start doing better by our people. The Bible says be, a, be in this world, but not of this world. 
we want to change legislation, but we aren't even trying to change the things that are going on in the lives of people in our own building. We need to start inward instead of looking for change to happen outward. And with that, I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Road to Damascus, where it's not about the road, it's about the journey. And until next time, God bless. We're out. <laughs>